0: Welcome to another episode of the Who Jedi podcast broadcasting, as always, during this stupid quarantine um, from all points in uh, the New Orleans metro area. I'd much rather people be in my Star Wars room drinking my beer rather than spread out, but we do what we have to. Um, But joining me, as always, we have myself, Aaron, and dave and fredo everybody say hello hi hello and i did get a new mask you guys saw the picture i got my boba fett mask on the same day as another guy from the 501st who is he's got the boba fett costume he got about the same boba fett mask and he posted on facebook and it's like hey i got mine today too he goes you didn't get boba fett did you i was like this is the way (laughs) You know, so.
1: it's kind of like the episode in South Park when everybody shows up with the Chewbacca mask. Yeah. Well, everybody goes to Chewbacca. Everybody's going to go to Boba Fett this year.
0: My my I, favorite my favorite South Park still is when they're playing Lord of the Rings and one kid's wearing a Stormtrooper costume. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he says something, he goes, my Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> so that's, that's my favorite thing. Uh, but That's yeah. kind of
2: a good point, though. I feel bad for long-time Boba Fett fans because now they got to deal with all this new-fangled Mandalorian love from all these Johnny-come-latelys.
0: Well, here's the bigger problem. Here's the nerdier problem. Like I said, at Mardi Gras, when we were marching in Tux Parade, there was one dude who was in his Mando costume. He's part of the Mando mercs. He was not the Mandalorian you didn't see me do the air quotes he wasn't Din Djarin he wasn't Boba Fett he was just a Mandalorian but for seven miles we got screamed at you know of hey it's the Mandalorian where's baby Yoda and blah blah it's like it's like it's the same people who go up to the TIE fighter pilots and go that's the worst Darth Vader costume I've ever seen
1: (laughs) so wrong
0: yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, so
1: well, he's he's paying for the price of success, so to speak, because you know at least now people are not going, hey, it's Boba Fett, not going, hey, it's the Mandalorian.
0: Well, and the guy in Tux that was with us, um he was uh, our biker scout. We we're like, why didn't you bring a like a little like you know. Computer messenger bag, and just punch it every now and again. He hadn't seen the Mandalorians. So he was like, "What? What are you talking about?" It's like that would have been perfect, you know. That just been, like, stuff it with something and then hit it every now and again, you know. It's a that would have been enough.
1: awesome. Well, on one end it would have been awesome, on the other, people might have jumped them. So 50, 50. Well, he can,
0: Now he can. Now he can get the Hasbro Bop it, and you know, have <laughs> have fun with it the whole way. Oh, we
1: um, don't want to I mean, go down that road again. Actual family fun,
0: but uh, no, it's it's being in the five hundred first. It's kind of like you know you show up in your stormtrooper armor and you feel so proud of yourself, then some dude shows up in Vader costume and you're like, you know, you're you're nothing. You're back along you're back along the wall in the gym. You know the girls don't want to talk to you then. And
1: yeah, you're the pips, and that's Gladys Knight.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway, all right. Well, hey, everybody, have a good week this
1: week pretty good i mean i've been doing nothing but zoom meetings all week long so I had to record a zoom conference so you need bringing... to
0: tell, you need to tell your people that there's this thing called google meet and it's you know everybody, everybody's all about zoom it's, everybody's drinking the zoom Kool-Aid
1: I, my point is at some point i'm just tired of all online meetings so you know doing four back to back to back kind of burn me out So,
0: you know, my favorite, I love the people who run meetings where it's like, okay, we have to have this meeting, but if we're done in 15 minutes, we're done in 15 minutes, you know, we don't have to go the whole time, but, you know, and, and it's like you said though, it's like, this could have been handled in email. And if you could get people to read their email, then yes, I would agree. But people do not read their email unless it's in a faculty meeting. That's when people read their email, but anyway, (laughs) I digress. So. I'm sorry for all your Zoom meetings. Dave, how are things going for for you?
2: Similar place, you know, just a lot of phone calls and um online meetings and all that fun stuff. So, but I agree with you, you know, if if you don't got to go the whole hour, don't go the whole hour, please, for the love of God.
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh you know, don't have meetings for meeting's sake, but however, being somebody who, you know, I've worked now Remotely since 2015, and you actually cherish a video call because you get to talk to a you know you're chatting. It's one thing I can be chatting back and forth with people, but to see somebody face to face and to actually talk to another living human being, um, even though you're on a video, it's it it makes all the difference in the world. So um, you know, so I see it from a little bit different perspective. That and it was really interesting because I went when I. You know, my previous job had a meeting, like, every single day. And now I have, like, one meeting a week. Nice. You know, and most of that meeting I can just, you know, uh, yeah, it's it doesn't involve me. So, uh, but, you know, hey. Uh,
2: you, you're talking about appreciating that face-to-face interaction. And it makes me wonder, like, if you guys remember in Back to the Future too, when – he went to the cafe eighties and he was interacting with all the different monitors and the, the celebrities that were on the monitors and just carrying on a conversation with them. I just like, that seemed like a little bit on the nose in retrospect. If you think back to it, It we should totally
0: the three of us should totally open up a bar slash cafe and have max headroom as the Maitre D we should talk. Anybody listening to this now, you can't have that idea. That's our idea now. We're going to <laughs> we're going to do that. Um that would, that would be... the the
1: funny the funny thing is that that was a movie we saw as to the future, but it's now our past. 5 years <laughs> from now.
0: That, right? Deep, hey, by the way, sorry this um just goes back to the stuff that Aaron should have been watching, you know, the uh um you know, I did my um, Marvel Marvel homework. And I've actually started going back and watching, rewatching some stuff because as they come on TV, I'm like, did I watch this? Because I think that was the thing: watching a movie like every other day, it they all just blurred together. But anyway, did you see that um, the battle, the final battle, and Endgame got the eight-bit or the sixteen-bit uh, treatment? Um, treatment. Did you see that? I yeah, just yeah. saw that. I just saw that this morning, and it was like it was totally awesome. So it was like Super Star Wars, but with Marvel, Yeah, you
1: know. That, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, looking back, uh, that always struck me about that final battle, that it's very much, particularly that moment when the two sides come together, it's just, it's like if you had one of those extra long comic book panels just come to life, where you just, you know, flip the page and it takes up both pages, every inch of the, of the pages covered in characters battling one another and you just try to soak up every inch of it because you're trying to you know memorize it all as a kid and that's the same effect that that last battle in endgame did it's very much a oh my god it's just an overload
0: you know there are several several instances of that within the marvel movies that you know what in going back and watching some YouTube videos, of people, you know, talking about the Marvel movies and things like that. It's like, they, they took those, what they I think they called splash pages, you mm-hmm. know, from the comics and tried to recreate them on the screen. And if you hadn't read the comics, like, like me, it was lost on you. It was still a cool shot, but it was lost on you for somebody like Scott Colesby who grew up, you know, reading all these and saw that it was like, that's so cool. You know, um, so it is, uh, but it was really, it's but really interesting to go back and, like I said, watch these videos and people showing me this stuff that if I was a big Marvel nerd that I should have been nerding out over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been kind of cool. So. If
2: people haven't heard our Marvel episode from a few weeks ago, you should go back and check it out because that, that conversation with Colesby was great. Um, he really sort of highlighted why Endgame for him as a comic reader was, was just the ultimate... Team-up movie. Yep.
0: So anyway, but, and Brittany was, my wife was laughing at me because she will come out of her library and I'm watching a Marvel movie that's on TV. She goes, I think it's funny that this is now one of your go-to, you know, when nothing else is on, you'll watch a Marvel movie. Like, blame Dave and Fredo. I think we're <laughs> actually, all right, we're, what we're going to start doing because we realize we need another Series to deal with um, we're going to start watching agents of shield on Netflix. So Only seven seasons there with 20 episodes those each so
1: actually I, I, If I'll recommend before you start agents of shield start with agent Carter. I think I think Britt would like it as much as you because um,
0: Britt's a Brits a big agent Coulson fan. So uh,
1: um... I mean if you if you like Peggy Carter from the first Avenger it's her following her in the nineteen forties and fifties as they begin to you know, create shield, so or you know, so to speak. Okay, but it's only so. it's only it's only two seasons, but it's really interesting because they bring in Howard Stark, they bring in uh, what's her name, Hilliat will place uh, Peggy Carter. It's really well done.
0: All right. Well then we'll start with that then. So
1: yeah. it's, a quicker, it's a quicker it's a quicker series. You'll bump, you know, you run right through it and then you can jump into agency shield
0: i will i will give a review so um in uh new orleans saints news i do want to give a shout out and uh, we'll maybe have to tag him on uh when we post this episode dave but i think this is just awesome as we're all new orleans saints fans cam jordan has donated twenty five thousand dollars to uh buy computers for kids um as they're probably going to be working you know doing school remotely $25,000 even if you just buy Chromebooks, you know, are that's going to go a long ways And you know, here's a guy who has he's one of those that has made New Orleans his home and he is just a a jewel here and to do that for kids is just awesome. So um, Shout out and a hoot at to uh, Cam Jordan whom the only time I've met was in the movie theater lobby, waiting to see Solo. Mm -hmm. Um, He was watching some other movie with his wife and kids, but Colesby and Fredo and I and Britt were waiting to see Solo. Um, So uh, I was the only one gutsy enough to talk to Cam Jordan. So maybe we'll have to tag him on this and let him know that we give him a shout out and Mm -hmm. see if we can get a hoot at from him. Um, But uh, So that's my Saints news, I think, for today. Anybody else have anything they wanna add before we move on to trivia? Shaking your head is great podcast material to both of you. <laughs> it's like me, <laughs> like me doing air quotes. No,
1: um, we we'll figure, okay, it's a lot of Say, get on with it.
0: That's right. We, can we put that in the? Can we put that in the uh, podcast now? A little clip from Monty Python. Uh, yes,
1: yes. Get on with it.
0: All right. Um, let's see here, uh, Dave. We'll start with you what manages to fire three laser bolts in chewbacca's direction on the surface of hoth
2: that would what, be oh
0: yeah i was just going to say it again what manages to fire three laser bolts in the chewbacca's direction in this on the surface of hoth
2: i believe that to be the imperial probe droid
0: yes and much like our uh, episode with Brittany, when i said you know when i turned it i saw lando it's like then the question was who rode something at this time i turned it over and the first thing i saw was c-3po and so i was saying c-3po
1: <laughs> Shout out chewbacca what that, that made for a funny scene remember all right. all the hubbub with him with the bowcaster we
2: thought he was gonna go evil or rogue or whatever and rise the skywalker
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I have that figure right here because it is pretty awesome to see uh, C-3PO with a bowcaster. So, all right, um, Fredo,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what Rebel leader announces that the shuttle Tiderium was stolen by the Alliance?
1: Oh, Jeez, I'm, I'm trying to remember if it's okay. Stab in the dark. Uh, and General... you, get
0: double, you get double points if you can get his first name.
1: No, I'm not getting his first name. It's, uh, I'm going to go with General Nadine.
0: I will accept that as Maydean with an M, but I always okay. thought it was Nadine with an N until like about two years ago. Okay. Um, but Dave, can you get his first name for extra special double points?
2: Is it Crix?
0: It is Crix. <laughs> you are the nerd.
1: <laughs>
2: I did know. I only knew that because of dark forces. That's
1: what I was just thinking. I was saying, like, I should know this because you rescue him in dark forces. Doesn't make you any less nerdy.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: That's true. That
2: is true. You and, got why to-
0: did, and why didn't you name your son Crix? You named him Nate. Why didn't you name him Crix?
2: Well, you know, it just rolls off the tongue.
0: So, all right. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Um, here, you know, they're, change, they're changing the name of Dixie beer and people are wanting them to change it to Dix because that's what, you know, that was a French currency or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's a really good name to give any product. Sure, that'd be just wonderful. Yeah.
2: Aaron, you've just inspired me. I may Photoshop a picture of Crick Snade's head onto a can of Dixie beer. <laughs>
0: I, I tweeted out that they should just they should just call it beer because it, it tastes like plain labeled beer, you know. So they might as well just call it beer. All right. So for me, um, who does C three PO lecture screaming about it can't help you? Screaming about it can't help you. Um, I I know what my gut wants to say. I'm going to say Chewbacca. It is Chewbacca. I don't remember him saying the word screaming. I it, that that was talking about the uh the chess match, right? Right,
1: mm-hmm. the whole of the chess.
0: So I don't remember screaming, but anyway, all right. Well, it is Chewbacca. Cool. All right, well, 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 it,
1: it, could, it could be very much like General Maydeen versus General Maydeen. No,
0: so I uh I watched uh, Solo. Speaking of Solo. I watched Solo on Disney Plus the other day. Anybody watched it yet
1: on Disney Plus? Not yet.
0: Subtitles gone. What? Subtitles weren't there. There was no subtitles when Moloch was talking, you know, and Brittany and I were looking at each other like, did we dream these? And no, so no subtitles. And then uh, when Han is talking um, Shrewook, no subtitles. And uh, so the next day I actually tweeted at uh, John Hoey, who is who's one of the guys on the um, – uh, Resistance broadcast uh, podcast I listen to, mm-hmm. and they're they're the ones who are really pushing to make Solo Two happen. They created that hashtag and everything. And I said, oh, "Dude, we're watching, you know, Solo and no, uh, no uh, um, subtitles." Did that happen to you as well? And he's like, "Yeah." And he mentioned uh, somebody who worked on the Solo project that they have interviewed and said, "Yeah, I think he's on that." So um, this isn't part of the news, but I do find it interesting that along with McClunky makes me wonder: Are we are we hurrying? Are we? There's some sloppiness with uh, some of this content getting up on Disney Plus, well, or will there be more sloppiness? Because to to put up an alternate edit of the Greedo thing, I mean that wasn't that's never been in any release, and then to have you know no no subtitles. I don't know. Is there some sloppiness going on?
1: I don't know that I would call it sloppiness, per se, because this is, this is a conscientious choice they're making. This isn't just a you're taking, you know, where you're cutting something off at a particular moment, a second to a head. You no, know, you're removing things from the movie as it was released. Or in the case of McClunkey, you're making a clear-cut addition to what's happening.
0: I would have to believe, though, that the the subtitles, it's kind of like a layered track. You know, it's, you you got the video, then you, you, so they, they grabbed the wrong file. They grabbed the file that didn't have the subtitle track on top of it, or somebody slipped and did something. I don't know. Yeah, it could just be, you know, it's COVID and our temp isn't there and, you know, we're, you know, screwed up. But it's, I just find it interesting now that there's been two releases and we get, like I said, we get McClunky and we get no subtitles. Now, that being said, I've seen Solo a bunch of times, but I didn't miss the subtitles, except that they weren't there. You know, it was like, could still get the gist of what was going on. But anyway.
2: My first thought was that it uh, might have been um, closed captioning related. So If you turn the subtitles on, all of a sudden you're going to get that again for, for like the alien speak parts. But it seems kind of... Silly to be forced into having subtitles on for the entire length of the movie just to get those scenes to appear the way you want them to. So I, you know, it, um, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit of an odd thing.
0: But you know, it, and again, it's maybe. And I know I'm jumping off about two bridges and a cliff at the same time. But it kind of goes back to the the John Boyega quote where he said, "You know, don't Disney plus me when they're talking about, you know, you know like putting putting some show, whether it's Star Wars or Marvel or whatever, putting it on on Disney plus is somehow a step lower than if it's you know or it's not going to be it's not as serious of a project or maybe it's like high school football versus college football or college football versus pro football you know type of a deal but are you know do they are is is there going to be some ah it's just disney plus no big deal that we have mcclunky in there ah it's just disney plus no big deal that we you know i don't know
1: i don't necessarily think that it'd be no big deal because ultimately as we're moving forward streaming is becoming the mechanism through which a lot of the media is being consumed right now i mean if you go into my living room, you'll still see three towers of DVDs. Now, that's 20 years ago's technology. The idea of having a room full of DVDs is kind of like when you used to have, uh, you know, if you think of something like High Fidelity, a wall full of LPs. Now, some people will have them, but most people will just settle for a bunch <laughs> of Spotify. Right. Well, exactly. Exactly. You're a rare person who has all these records. Most people currently will just buy a subscription to Spotify or Apple Music or Google Play uh, Music or whatever, and they'll, they'll consume it that way. So it can have an effect. I mean, just look at the way that stuff changed from VHS through laserdisc to DVD to Blu-ray. You know, every time they've moved to a you know they moved to a different medium, there's been little tweaks and cleanups and polishes and changes. So it's just, yeah, but you're talking, and I
0: didn't, I didn't mean to hijack this. This is just something I was just noticed. It was kind of interesting, but we're, we're talking, you're talking about upgrades where I'm talking about changes. Well, that's what I mean, down, yeah. downgrades or mistakes, yeah. you know, it's, it's um, you know, as speaking as somebody who, you know, when I, and I just hit my microphone, sorry, that's going to be awful. Um, but speaking as somebody who is like the minute that my job, the minute I hit publish, I know there are going to be thousands of people reading what I just wrote. And if I miss a period somewhere, I'm mortified, you know, now imagine putting a star Wars movie, you know, on a streaming service. And it's like, you'd think you'd want to get, you'd want to have all the I's dotted and tight T's crossed. So now I'm not going, I'm going to, I'm going to step back from the bridge and the cliff and everything like that. But this is, this is now two i'm going to be let's see what happens if there's if there will ever be a you know a third but it just seems like there's uh i don't know it and i'm not saying it's maybe not sloppiness but you know mistakes because maybe you're hurrying or something i don't know but maybe it'd be interesting to see if we can find out who could tell us why how how does a subtitle track not get i don't know just
2: if these are mistakes uh to your point like it, I'm the same way as you. I'm like I'm mortified if something gets slips out that steak. Uh, But I also know that that's much likelier to happen if I don't have enough sets of eyes looking at it. Um, like if it's just me responsible for this thing. Sure. So like it makes me wonder: is that the scenario that we're dealing with here, where it's just like you said, like some intern in a back room somewhere? who's responsible for digitizing everything and getting grabbed the
0: wrong tape. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you never know, but, um, it is interesting. <laughs> and I, and I love the, uh, comparison to, um, digital music. And like you, and like you said, Aaron, like sometimes you're dealing with in, in the opposite issue, which is, uh, quote unquote upgrades. Um, Oh, well, this is a better version of that song, but a lot of people, default to LPs Mm -hmm. because it's, it's, a, it's a different sound and um, you know, and we we (laughs) go back and forth on the star Wars changes over the years um, and how like it it affects people's enjoyment of the movies. And it's, I'm curious, is it as big of an issue in the music industry? Because like, you could you could probably get three guys in our position doing a music podcast who would tell you, oh, the digital music problems. They they do, they make this change and that change, and this album is different because of this, and um, it's probably just as bad or. or we'll, we'll have to have one. a we'll,
0: we'll have a side episode and uh, have my brother back on. He'll be able to walk you through all that. I guarantee you.
1: Easiest, easiest way to ask: ask any Beatle maniac, as their music has the Beatles' music has gone through different mediums, and they'll be able to not just tell you where there was upgrades, but where there was downgrades, because they actually, are sticklers for that.
0: Actually, yeah, we should have my brother and Lynn, mm-hmm. because I think they're the biggest connoisseurs of of okay. vinyl that I know. So, uh, all right. Well, anyway, like so I said, didn't mean to hijack that, but I just found it interesting um and uh so yeah now you're going to want to go watch solo and see if the the subtitles are there um but actually i'll tell you it actually made the the scene with chewbacca and han even more enjoyable because you you don't know what han is saying but you he says yeah i speak a bit you know Mm -hmm. and you know so you know they're having this conversation So it's like, makes you wonder why they put in subtitles in the first place. Anyway, uh, I digress. Fredo, we got a bunch of news this week. It's been a busy week.
1: Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, jumping off of the solo discussion, because, well, you know, uh, since it's a good place to start, uh, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, who played Han Solo in Solo on Star Wars Story, was interviewed by Esquire and was asked about the possibility of reprising the role. So... First of all, he says that it depends on what it is. It depends on how it's done and how it feels to the story. So if it feels, can I,
0: can I pause you there for a second? It's like how many how many projects are beaten down Alden Ehrenreich's door right now that he's going to go? Well, it depends on the story. I'm sorry if Star if Lucasfilm comes and says we want you to do Han Solo, you sign that paper and you do it.
1: Well, to be fair, yeah. I mean, look, you know, everybody. Everybody uh, it's always working. That's just it. And I imagine that after what happened with Solo, I mean, he's got a TV he's got a TV series. He's got a couple of other stuff coming. Uh, but after what happened with Solo, he's going to want to make sure that if he jumps back in, it's the right thing. Because he's going to get it again from fans who are not necessarily uh, happy that he wasn't Harrison Ford. So anyway, uh, he was asked about a potential solo sequel, you know, hashtag make Hunt solo to happen. And uh, he says that officially there's nothing going on right now. At the same time, he has heard some stuff. And that's his quote. Uh, there's a, you know, I've heard some rumors. I've heard some stuff. but Yeah, you like heard.
0: elongate this. Oh up, yeah.
1: Right, but nothing concrete yet, so, and you gotta figure, you know, they didn't cast this guy to do a one-off. They were probably hoping that either they could go movie trilogy or movie series well, or well, wasn't the TV original? Show.
0: Wasn't the original release that he was signed for three?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. So, so. They, they were hoping for more than just a single movie. But obviously, the uh, the box office results uh, kind of kiboshed that. But, you know, you can never can tell, you know, in regards to Star Wars and the possibility of coming back around to stuff.
0: Well, I'd be all in because watching that again, I was still like he he did such a good job at capturing just the, subtle, the subtleties of what Harrison Ford did with Han Solo, you know, the points and the inflections in the voice and stuff like that. Without being a carbon copy, and it was—it's just a fun movie. Um, so I, I'm all in. I'm all in on that one.
2: I agree. It would be—it would be a lot of fun. Um, and I, you know, the—I was intrigued enough by the cliffhanger with the cameo and everything to think, oh, where is this going to go? Um, I was really interested in seeing what they wanted to do with it. And yeah,
0: the, it's like—it's like National Treasure two.
1: look, those movies were fun. I don't care what everybody says. I agree. I love that. And actually, National Treasure
0: 3 is coming to Disney Plus, from what I understand. So, yes, Nick Cage. All right. Anyway, sorry.
1: Uh, Speaking of Han Solo, then right quick, just a quick happy birthday to Harrison Ford. He celebrated his 78th birthday this past Monday.
0: Yeah, I had one of those moments on Twitter that I almost had to post the Denzel Washington gif, you know, because I saw Harrison Ford was trending. And when it was like, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, I was like, ah, no, he can't. And it was just his birthday. So, yeah. how old? Uh,
1: 78. And they're still a year from now, supposedly, uh, Indiana Jones 5 is supposed to be coming out. So, you know, a surprise 78. He's not stopping down, stopping down.
0: Two years older or one year older than my dad. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah,
1: he's about four years older than my
2: dad. It was weird about that news. It was like, like, I think Patrick Stewart was having a birthday on the same day. I, was like, I had no idea that Patrick Stewart and Harrison Ford had the same birthday. It's like geek heaven right there.
1: Yeah. Uh, next bit of news uh, there was an interview with Giancarlo Esposito uh, I think he was just cast in, as obviously the villain in uh, the next game in the Far Cry series so talking about it with entertainment tonight uh, they also got into to talk about regarding his role as Moff Gideon so obviously they asked him about that final shot that final scene in season one of The Mandalorian and him having the dark saber to which he says here and here I'll quote him To be in the position of having that regal, graceful power but have this saber which delineates a different part of me than any other character. To have the saber means I can use it and I can do my own dirty work. I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior, that's part of me. It also creates a possibility that he's one of the ones. He possibly has that and to me it's interesting because he's really that fallen hero. Is he a descendant of Darth Vader, who is he? What does he want? So he knows all about everything, and you'll have to wait to find out. And he's actually pretty good with the dark saber too. End quote. So make of that what you will, what you will.
0: You know, could he could he be a descendant of the the first Mandalorian Jedi? Was it uh, Tar Vizla? Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to have to be something that's explained. Everybody's going to have to do their homework, but you know that's a possibility. Now, when I when I saw this one thing, this is just a tangent thought. Could it be that it was Moff Gideon who was at the end of the Gunslinger um, episode? episode? Long mean, take.
1: Spurs. I didn't notice Spurs on him, but. Well, but maybe
0: maybe in Tatooine you need the Spurs to, you know, kick the do back or something. I don't know. But like I think we're making too big a deal out of the Spurs. But anyway, I mean I don't You can know. never
2: make too big a deal out of the Spurs. Uh, but, uh yeah. May I mean maybe, but I think that would be disappointing because he's already been revealed. So it's kind of fun to still have that out there and and still wonder if who it could be. So. Yeah.
0: But getting beginning to the, uh, the maybe f- possible force abilities, mm-hmm. you but know, of- they, they, they have, they, they have the, it could be either way path because they've, they've shown Sabine able to wield a lightsaber and a dark saber without, you know, having force abilities. Um, but um the fact that his character does say that the you know the child it, baby Yoda is more important to him than they know.
1: Mm-hmm. Part of me was thinking that, when uh, as I was reading that, uh, sorry, could I talk about uh, it was thinking: could he be a fallen Jedi? Could he have been a Jedi in training before the Empire, and he just went to hiding and then just came back as an Imperial officer, and he's kept that hidden.
0: There there could be also connections to Rise of Skywalker, right? Where, I mean, at the same time, you know, Palpatine is being hooked up to hoses somewhere, you know, on Exegol. So it's like he might be a Sith disciple. He could be a former, you know, Sith Inquisitor. It could be any... But the fact that it's, like, you know, I guess, yeah, it's in the Mandalorian series, so having the Darksaber makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this...
1: It creates a whole new, a whole new dynamic for a character that we know very little of.
0: Yeah, we like know nothing about him. So,
1: yeah. uh, we're okay. So there's not going to be any nice segue to this one. So I'm just going to dive right in. Everybody knows by now that uh, I believe it was Monday as well that uh, former MythBusters host Grant Mahara passed away. Uh, I Believe it was a there was died eventually determined that it was a brain aneurysm that took his life at age 49. And uh, hes he was a, a graduate of uh, Southern Cal, you know, USC, an electrical engineer, spent years working at Industrial Light and Ma- Magic. He actually, uh, Star Wars put a nice picture of him working on the set of the, in the prequels um, for, uh, as working, because he used to operate R2D2. He also did work for Terminator 3, Lost World, Matrix sequels. Uh, before he and then a number of other things before jumping on into Mythbusters. So,
0: Yeah, it's just, it's, it, that is always just so sad um, when anybody passes away that young. Uh, but when you watch Mythbusters, he was one of those that everybody on that show, but he in particular, it's like you just saw so much joy in what he did. You know, I mean, some people have a job some people do a job and some people love their job and he just you know you could tell that anything he did it was just totally geeking out over it so um yeah it was that that was really sad news
2: doesn't it feel like we're we're doing too many of these <laughs> especially you know, with the uh pandemic going on and everything else it's just uh seems like uh, the the frequency of these kinds of stories seems to be going up maybe it's just cuz we're older
1: well, you know, and I think we're more uh, susceptible to picking up on them. It's it's one of those things, you know, uh, if you were a fan of the show, obviously it hits you. If you know, if you didn't know his connections to Star Wars, which I think that's one of the things that I most appreciated, how ILM and Star Wars and the Star Wars community just jumped up to say he was one of our own, even even before MythBusters, even before everything. He was he was one of our guys, and you know, it's a it's amazing how, at the moment, when, you know, you know, we're more we're more willing to look for those connections with people, even if they're far away and we may not get to know them. So, it impacts people on a personal level. But it's it's surprising how how you know more cognizant we are, of people passing away and especially the ages And we start going like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, forty nine is barely you know it's alive, but it's you know we're still going like, no, there was plenty more left for him to do so anyway our condolences to his family all right so from there i will try to jump into happier news if uh if it can be you know uh because the last bit of news that was announced this week was it seemed like everything came out on monday was the bad Batch was officially announced so this is from star wars own website disney plus order its next animated series from Lucasfilm. Star Wars: The Bad Batch, so fresh of appearing in the uh, season seven of Clone Wars, Disney Plus is requesting a series based on the clones of uh, the Bad Batch, and it's supposed to come in sometime in 2021. Uh, from from the from the piece, I'll just quote right, right quick. It's supposed to take place in the post-Clone War era as they take on mercenary missions. Missions, I'm sorry mercenary missions and struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose.
0: So I, I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody was speculating it's going to be one of the podcasts. So I apologize for not citing where I heard this, but the possibility that we could get a little bit of Darth Maul in this one. Because if you're talking about that post, you know, to explain a little bit of how Maul, maybe, maybe this is the vehicle. It's not about the, bad batch per se but you know we're going to get a little bit of maul to figure out how to bridge his story between clone wars and rebels um you know it's it's really kind of interesting i I think actually dave we need to put this on the calendar and we just need to prognosticate and think what we're what we think this series is going to be and then come back to it once it's finally released um because it almost it's set up to be the a-team the way Fredo, you just you know <laughs> mentioned it, you know, mercenary missions. I mean, you got wrecker who is like BA you got, you know, it seems like the A team in 1972,
2: a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime. They didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground today, still wanted by the government. They survive as soldiers of fortune, you know,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: and I just yeah. said, yeah. I just said the you know Star Wars Eighteen. That sounds awesome, just from the standpoint of you know my eighty my eighties child brain goes going like, the Eighteen in the Star Wars universe. That sounds perfect. Uh, yeah. but, also, but also because you're right, we haven't seen this time period. You know, we've seen we saw the Clone Wars, and the Clone Wars took us to the Rise of the Empire. We've seen Rebels, which takes us right before. Uh, we get to the rebellion but those immediate days and moments right after the empire's founded we have not gotten to see them uh in full so this will give us our first serious glimpse
0: yeah we we'll, we'll oh, get we'll solo solos in that time period
1: but solo happens years after the empire's established yeah I'm, t- I'm talking about those immediate moments the year after uh clone wars ends and now it's the empire
0: you know, it's probably it's probably gonna be a cheap uh uh series for them to put together because it only requires one guy to do the voices because <laughs> one guy does all the voices for the clones. So uh but uh now I, a little extra
2: for all that.
0: I've 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 stopped you know, saying my line of you know, I really didn't need to, you know, see uh this series or that series. So I'm it'll be interesting to it it's more Star Wars. So that's just that's happy. I'm kind of surprised that that's, you know, the animated series that they released, that they announced, given the other ones that have been rumored. Um, And yeah, so one's rumor, one's fact, but, you know, anyway.
1: But do you think it doesn't, it gives them an opportunity to still keep a lot of the same actors, same characters? Because, I mean, this could give them an opportunity to show, continue having characters like Cat Bane and Assange Ventress pop up here and there. Because you know you're talking about that underworld that gets built underneath the empire running around, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, i'm I mean, I'm with you guys. I mean, in terms of I'm in, um and it it has a lot of storytelling possibilities. but I also saw somebody online posit this question, which I thought was interesting. Um, is who who amongst that show, in terms of who appeared in Clone Wars, would you want to have their own series? And, and would the Bad Batch be near the top of that list for you? Um, you know, and I thought about that for a little bit, and I don't think the Bad Batch would probably be even be in my top 10. Um, but see,
0: that's why, that's why I think I agree with you, Dave, and that's why I'm kind of convincing myself that they're a vehicle to tell other stories that don't coalesce. It's going to allow them to do like a Darth Maul story, to do a Cad Bane story, to do a, you know, a Savage Ventress story, kind of like you're talking about Fredo, that none of these, it's like you have all these short stories. And so if you just have the one common thread of, oh, we got to do a mission on this planet now, and then we get to learn more about some other person that, you know, was in the Clone Wars. So that that they couldn't, you couldn't stretch to an entire series. So I'm totally with you, but that's why I I have to think it's a vehicle of some sort.
1: That makes sense. Well, and uh, when you consider just the standpoint of just from the clone story, I mean, we know that at some point they are going to be replaced by the stormtroopers, and uh, we know that we know we've seen Rex, and actually we're going to discuss that, you know. Up, you know, seeing Rex and some of the other clones when they uh, you know, reappear in our universe in Rebels, but we know that's you know, they're most been a point where the clones were no longer viable for the Empire. We might get to see that story, you know. We might get to see some of those, you know, clones who didn't follow Order sixty six and see what happens. Well, well, that's the
0: story. That's the story. I hope they lead with is how how Order sixty six affected them. If they were quote unquote defected. Mm-hmm. um you know and it, a, a bad batch you know did their chips did not work they, or did they just go I have a headache you know type of thing I don't know um mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens there so
1: yeah. but it's good i mean uh, ultimately it's interesting that, because you got to figure they opened up season 7 with them they have to have that in the back of their heads yeah
2: oh yeah i mean it totally feels like they were shoehorned in there for this purpose to Keep the story going and
1: uh. well now that that
0: whole that whole uh arc of the bad batch that was already they had already basically had all the episodes laid out in animatic form and in kind of you know rough, so this was something they were planning on doing when the when the Clone Wars series got cancelled mm-hmm. um so i you know so I but think that was I think that's why it was in season seven. And then I think your point, Dave, I think that was, you know, maybe after the success of, you know, of the but, episodes. Oh,
1: No, but you know that also that Dave, Dave Filoni had mentioned that they had a number of ideas for season seven. So the fact that they brought this one up and they said, okay, we know we want to tell the season from Mandalore. We know we want to tell where Ahsoka is. And then they went, okay, and we want to tell the Bad Batch arc. So... Those are the ones that they picked out of all the ideas that they had for a possible season seven. Yeah, but again, there are,
0: they're already like about 50 to 60% done. They already had vocal tracks. They already had scripts written. They already had, like I said, the previs done. Mm-hmm. So I think not to be the cynical jerk on this show, but I think it was more about, hey, what can we put up as content quickly and cheaply? Oh Well here we've got you know, we only have to spend this amount of money to finish these things up I think that's why the Bad Batch is it's in, season in season seven, you know um, Because it was mostly done, you know um, And that's why I think the Clone Wars season seven was actually One of the things in Disney Plus not because Disney thought it was going to be this huge flip and hit um, again, that's just me being cynical. I mean, they they but, had this. It's it's like you go to Prince when he was alive. And it's like, hey, we need an album. All right, well, I've got a vault full of stuff that I've recorded and produced and everything. Just throw this out, you know. All right, record company, enough not have to spend a dime. Here we go. <laughs> so, you know,
2: yeah, but I would be cynical in a maybe slightly different way, and, and suggest again that like that they were a vehicle more than anything else to bridge into a new series you know in the simpsons where they they introduced (laughs) poochie it just it kind of reeked of that at the time and now it's like oh lo and behold they're they're gonna get their own series and it's like of course they are but um you know that all having been said we're all still eating it up with a spoon we still love it and it's still great stuff so it's, it's just. I can see through it for what it is, but I also still enjoy it. So
1: So that's uh pretty much it for news this week. No,
0: it's one there's one last bit of news. Oh, it says rumor, but uh, next to it, your second second bullet point there.
1: Oh, well uh hold on a sec. There was a rumor, and I'm sorry, I almost heard. Hi, it.
0: Kids. I'm Hayden Christensen.
1: Very much so. <laughs> so Okay, again, big pinch of salt. And uh, we, we probably should limit ourselves to one rumor a week because otherwise they're like potato chips and start eating them all and believing them all. So the rumor is that Hayden Christensen, yes, and Akin Skywalker has been cast in the upcoming Disney Plus Kenobi series. Now, the thing is, he's not being cast as a cameo, he's not going to be a one off. He's being cast as a regular member of the cast so he's have he's gonna have multiple scenes in this show six episode series.
0: This is true it's getting it's giving credence to my argument that this is going to be a flashback show. You're gonna see you know you and McGregor walking around tattooing and something's gonna trigger a memory and boom he and Anakin are off on some you know Which, some story
1: by the way from this from the story here reading it, it says, You know, based on the growing love of the prequel and the popularity of the Clone Wars, which we gotta, and again, we always have to say, Dave Filoni and the Clone Wars did such an amazing job rescuing the characters of the prequels and making them that much fuller and richer so that people want to see more of them. So it makes sense that, hey, Hayden's still around. now. Does he still look like he did back 15 years ago? I don't know. You know, hope he does.
0: Yeah, that, with yeah. all this, with all this de aging stuff that they, I mean, they made Samuel L. Jackson look like you know, you know, thirty years younger when in Captain Marvel. Yeah, they there's things they can do. Um, That's true. That is I, true. This actually makes me get when I hear things like this. I really hope that this is true because it makes me more excited about an Obi Wan series. It get might there.
2: be. Uh, well, yeah we don't I don't even know what to say to it because honestly i i I don't know how to comment on it without knowing what it'll look like mm-hmm. i mean if they're if they're bringing him on just to wear the suit, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you can pretty much cast anybody with a large frame in that role
0: so one of the things that i had had heard was you know. and i i've kind of thought about this too you know what is obi-wan doing on Tatooine at this time he's watching over luke and he's also training to become you know to to be to become a force ghost so he's going to have to be dealing with a lot of his issues if you remember that episode that arc from the clone wars season six where yoda you know starts going through this training you know he has to deal with his hubris he has to deal you know with his you know with just it's it's like go ther- Yoda went to therapy you know type of a thing and so there's um, there's a ton of guilt that Obi-Wan is dealing with for failing Anakin and so to it makes total sense to me that you know as he's going through this training he's taken back to a time were, uh, may, may, and maybe it's just a conversation Maybe it's not he and Anakin off on some You know uh, Grand adventure, but it's a conversation That we never saw It's, you know, a, an interaction That we never heard of um, Maybe it is some Mission that they did So I could see, you know, Anakin Being, you know, Hayden Christensen Being in this episode Totally as a memory or flashback I don't think it's going to have a Vader suit at all, but, you know.
1: Yeah, no, because what's interesting is, I mean, from due to the fact that the prequels were made, they were, they we only really got Hayden as Anakin in two movies. And in both of those movies, he really only spends a certain amount of time with Obi-Wan. You know, he spends uh, the first third and the last third of uh, Attack of the Clones, and then he spends... Probably about the first two third half of the of a uh, episode three with Obi Wan before they have to go their separate ways and they don't see each other again till the final duel. So the opportunity to kind of get to see more of that uh, master and apprentice to uh, put it in the Dave's favorite book uh, terms relationship. You know, get that opportunity to kind of flesh that relationship out because the one that. Uh, Old Ben tells Luke is one that's warm. You know, he's he has warm memories of four Anakin, despite everything that happens.
0: And that, and again, Jedi therapy. But he got to that point at some point. You know, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, I mean, yeah, it's a he's in a totally different place. So this again, this makes me more excited for the Obi Wan series because I think that's a far more interesting story then Obi-Wan coming into town, a whomping and a whooping, Tusken Raiders who are, you know, about ready to threaten the Lars homestead. Sure, that can still happen, but not on a freaking weekly basis. You know, it's like, so to, to get into what's in Obi-Wan's head, the probably the most failed character, next, you know, in, in the Star Wars story, you know, and how he dealt with that, that's an interesting story.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, i would agree with that i mean the second that you see hey there's just so much potential for and kind of alluding to what freder was saying there's so much potential for him to you see that in live action that relationship of the two because we don't we talked about doing the homework oh you gotta go and when you gotta watch the clone wars and you gotta go you gotta watch rebels and you gotta do this and that and it's like, some people are just, they're, they're only interested in the live action stuff. Um, and some people are only interested in the movies. Um, and so it's kind of like, well, okay. Um, if, if people fall into that particular camp, it would make sense to kind of give them more of that relationship if they haven't seen it. And there's probably a significant number of people who have never sat through the Clone Wars and watched all those episodes and seen that relationship develop over time. So it it make it makes a lot of sense to, um, for his character too because you could tell a story, um, from his past, from Obi Wan's past that has personal relevance for him in the now, and you can have it involve Hayden because they were so close at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it makes sense for a lot of reasons, and yeah, I wouldn't, I would not cast him. Just to put him in the suit.
1: Speaking of which, just right quick, uh Spencer Wildling is the actor who played he was in the suit for Rogue One. So I would imagine he's a dude at six foot seven. Uh, he also played the guard that uh took Peter Quill's Walkman and Guardians. So I would imagine if you're gonna get somebody in the Vader suit, that's who's gonna be in the Vader suit. It's not gonna be Hayden. I think uh George was deferential to Hayden for episode three, but You know 20 you know 15 years down the line they may go no no hey we don't need you in the suit we're not gonna get as much out of it
0: well this stuff better get released soon because i'm getting excited (laughs) about it so well that was a lot of news for this week but that that was i mean good conversations about what you know what could be and it still it brings me back to i wish you know i wish somebody would go on the record on some of these things to you know make us even more excited about things um, of course how much how many of these would have been announced at Star Wars celebration you know this coming month or at comic con um, they,
1: they, so they make that point in the Hayden christensen rumor saying you know he's been uh, out and about you know he's made it to a few events, so if you're gonna announce his return, whether it was you know comic con or uh no,
0: it would have had to been celebration because yeah. it, when everybody was looking at every time celebration comes It's like for a movie is coming out. Nothing was coming out at this point. It's like, why are you having celebration? It's just a Star Wars convention, you know, so this would be the announcement that would make everybody just go bah! You know right. uh, so anyway um, So we, t- we, you know, we talked a little bit about Clone Wars and so let's talk about the Clone Wars uh, sequel um, this week we're going to be talking about uh, Rebels Season 2. You remember a few weeks back we went through uh, Season 1, had a lengthy discussion on that. This is going to be a spoilery discussion, so if you haven't seen Season 2, um, recommend you walking away now because we're going to get into... We're, I mean, it's going to be no holds barred. We're not going to bleep anything out except for my swear words. Um, But um, so you're going to know about the cameos and things like that, um, which this season was full of. Um, So um, anyway, uh, just for, just, uh, first of all, let's just go around the horn here real quick Um, compared to season one. What were your thoughts to season two? Did you thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways? Did you, did you feel like, yeah, this was even better than season one or, oh, uh, it was a letdown, or yeah, it was another season of Rebels. What would you think?
2: I I really enjoyed it. Um, you know what's funny about it? It's, if I would critique it for anything, it's that it seemed like it was getting to the end point quickly. Um, like, a lot happens in this season, and there are a lot of things that they lay into this season that they don't necessarily pay off right away, but they are going to pay off. And we know that having watched the entire series. So
0: yeah, we've um, seen the whole match. Yeah.
2: It's just a very, very eventful series of events. Um, and it just, it feels if it all feels so significant and I'm sure there's y'all might have different feelings about it. There might be a few episodes. We always talk about the dreaded filler. Um, but so much of this to me just felt important, um, and and so like episode. I guess I was I was classify season one as being like fun and intriguing, and it kind of tries to like bring you into the fold, and then season two just punches you in the face repeatedly because it's just there's a lot going on here. But I I love it. Yeah, so, right, right up.
1: Yeah, off the, top, off the top of my head, I would say I agree with everything Dave said regarding its quality. I think it gets even better, better than season one. I think, I mean, there's a concerted effort on the part of Dave Filoni and the Rebels writers to make it even bigger. I mean, obviously for one, we get, uh, I believe it's seven more episodes here. And it's not just that there's more episodes in this season. It's that they're more connected. We get fewer of those one-off uh, like we did with the, the Lando episode in season one, we get fewer of those episodes. We get more episodes that call back to one another, even a further, you know, even you know, just a few episodes down the line. They're they're building bigger uh, story threads that are meant to run the full length of the season and that will continue on beyond season two.
0: So I'm going to give a rundown of all the episodes. Again, it's going to be like mainly a two-word synopsis of what happens in each one of these episodes. Um, and uh, but, however, my my thoughts was that the season two felt a lot more Star Wars ish than season one, and it's it's because of you know the familiar the connections, if you will, from you know Disney Gallery. Uh, but uh, uh, but I. It, so let's just let's just hit it. Uh, so, uh, episodes one and two are is it's a two part episode a two part thing. It's the siege of Lothal, and Darth Vader is screwing with the rebels. Um, and it's James Earl Jones as the voice. And by the way, here's the other thing that I really dug about season two. It was so inspired by Ralph McCorry. So all of those Ralph MacQuarrie sketches that we saw, you know, around New Hope. Um, there are so many of those references in here and Vader is stylized just like a Ralph McQuarrie
2: picture. Anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point. And like, I don't know who made that call, but this I remember, at the, yeah. And I remember at the time they, they were watching some behind the scenes thing about that. And they they referenced that point. It wasn't just something that we're making up here. <laughs> it, yeah. it's just, it, you know they did reference those Macquarie drawings, and uh, and you can see it time and time and time again, and it, it's just a really cool Easter egg for longtime fans.
0: So uh, episodes three and four, um, we get with uh, Captain Rex and some other clones. Um, so the the clones are back in town, if you will, um, and that's lost commanders and relics of the old Republic. Um, episode five, always two there are. This is where we get introduced to an, a new SIP uh, Inquisitor. Um, and it's ironically voiced by Sarah Michelle Geller, who is you know, the wife of Freddie Prince Jr., who's Kanan. So it's always kind of fun when they get to interact on this show. Um, Brothers of the Broken Horn is where we bring back Hondo and Aka from uh, Clone Wars. And Hondo is a totally Different Hondo than he was, you know, from the Clone Wars. So it's kind of interesting. But Ezra, he he becomes kind of a pseudo mentor to Ezra. Uh, and then we have Wings of the Master, and that's all about Hera and her. And actually, that's season two. Is you get a lot, especially here in the middle, a lot of individuals. You know, we're building on the stories of individuals. So Ezra has his story. You know sabine has her story hera has hers and the wings of the master is Hera's. it's uh they get a a special um special uh aircraft for the rebellion um blood sisters that's uh sabine who is meeting up with her former friend and uh, bounty hunter ketsu um stealth strike is rex and kanan butting heads and eventually becoming friends and because Kanan was distrustful of clones and, um, you know, Rex just didn't like somebody who didn't like him. Um, legacy was when we're back to Ezra and he gets a vision that his parents are still alive. And we also get uh, introduced to writer Azadi in that uh, episode. So again, some of these that people criticize in the moment of being filler, if you look down to season four, you know, or, you know, in the later seasons, you see why these were made sense. Except for this next one, a princess on Lothal. I think this one only exists just so that we could have a Princess Leia that kind of felt like Princess Leia, but really didn't feel like Princess Leia to me. But anyway, um, Princess Leia is in this episode. Um, and we can t- we'll talk about any of these that we want to a little bit later. Uh, the protector of conquered dawn that brings us to, um, oh, the Mandalorian. of uh, what's his name? Fen-Rau. Fen- Fenrau, thank you. Um, and uh, and it gets it just starts to build up the Mandalorian story, which becomes very important in later series, uh, seasons. Legends of the Set. that is, uh, you know, what happened to Zeb's people and um. And also, you know, we talked about that with uh, Callus a little bit earlier. The Call, that's where we learn about hyperspace whales. <laughs> the Burgo. <bird girl. laughs> the Burgo. Kind of weird. But again, this, this one is more about Ezra connecting in, with the Force. Um, but yes, hyperspace whales. Um, Homecoming is another Hera episode because we, we bring back um, her, uh, dad. her dad, Cham Sandula. And uh, so they're, they're uh, yeah. Anyway, the honorable ones we have Zeb and Callus are stranded together outside of Geonosis, on a moon of Geonosis, and um, it's kind of one of those. Uh, I don't know. They, they they learn to respect one another. Uh, they they build a bond.
1: Did you ever see the the Did you ever see the movie Enemy Mine
0: from Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: That's exactly what I thought of seeing that episode.
0: Shroud of Darkness was one of my favorites because uh, it's when Ezra and Kanan and um, Ahsoka go to the Jedi Temple on Lothal. And all of them are having visions all over the place. Uh, Ezra's talking to Yoda. Um, Kanan is um, dealing with uh, temple guards and he actually becomes a Jedi Master or Jedi Knight, whatever, um, and uh, and Stoka is dealing with her issues with Anakin. Um, next one is also kind of one of those, uh, maybe could have been, it was criticized as a filler, and it's kind of hard not to argue with that, um, but the Forgotten Droid, we get uh, uh, P5, is that right? AP5. A- AP5. A- AP5. Uh, Alan Rickman in a droid costume, basically. Uh, <laughs> He's so great. Yeah. It's, it's, a fun, it's a fun episode. It's tough to see where the overall arc you know is there. Um, the mystery of Chopper Base, um, again, another big Ralph McQuarrie, uh inspired thing where they have to deal with space spiders. Um, and then the last two episodes is Twilight of the Apprentice, such a great episode with the exception of helicopter lightsabers when i first saw that i may have swore out loud i was like (laughs) you've got to be kidding me um but the twilight of the apprentice at the at the end of this you see vader and ahsoka fight and man it was so good so those were 22 episodes in season two. Um, so, I guess, uh, I'm sorry, Fredo, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, in slight defense of helicopter lightsabers, there's
0: no defense for helicopter or,
1: lightsabers. No, no. The one defense I'm going to say they do pay it off. You know, they, you know, They keep setting it up as an idea, and then they find a way to come around and have it bite the Inquisitors in the butt, namely the 10th brother. Because he tries to find oh. a way, it doesn't work, and
0: it falls with that. So anyway, all right. So of all of those, just gonna, just gonna, there's no there's no defense for helicopter lightsabers. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, the, if you've never seen the SIP uh, uh, Inquisitors, they have double-bladed lightsabers that then spin at the hilt, which, you know, grand. But then so, of course, you just hold it up above your head and you fly away like Mary Poppins, apparently. And it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, so of of all those, which, uh, I guess, what were the uh, highlights and probably most important episodes for you guys? And there's 22 of them, so you can't pick all 22, but what's what's your go-to for season two?
1: Uh, for me, I guess, I mean, obviously, uh, the ones who, you know, bringing back Rex, so the Lost Commanders, Relics of the Republic, and then later on, um, which is the one where... Uh, uh, Rex and uh, Kanan go to rescue them. Oh, Stealth Strike, which is uh, I love the moment where Rex and Kanan bond where it's like, wait, is that the same, you know, is that a different is that the same shuttle? No, I think it's a different shuttle. It's the same shuttle we just stole it again. You know like, why they, do they
0: keep why do they keep letting us steal these things? I think exactly, that was the line. Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh I think you know it was fun seeing Rex as the more gristled Chubby, you know, old, salty dog kind of character, as opposed after being, seeing him for so many seasons, being the standard by the book, uh, clone commander or clone captain that we've seen Sam grow up with, uh, so that those were fun for me. Obviously, Protector of Concord Dawn. It, in terms of its impact for, the Mandalorian story that we follow through this series, at end to the Mandalorian, can't be, discounted, and then. Uh, the other one that I was going to mention right quick was, um, oh shoot, where is it? it's uh, Shroud of Darkness because it's that idea of, and I love, first of all, two things I love out of that episode, the knighting ceremony for Kanan that is taken out of the old Clone Wars series, that, that by the right of the council, by the will of the force, that was taken from Kendi Tartakovsky's C series. Uh, Season two, when uh, Anakin gets knighted, that they lift that straight off. And I love the fact that it's now become the de facto knighting of a Jedi. Uh, But also just the idea of, in that, you know, that they also bring in Malachor. And if you never played Knights of the Old Republic 2, you don't know what Malachor is. But I love the fact that they somehow may find a way to make that canon, you know, by bringing the idea of the Battle of Malachor that happened millennia ago. And that, that it's not a person, it's a place. So so those are some of the episodes that I like. I love the interconnectedness that this season builds with the grander Star Wars mythos, so to speak.
0: So I'll, I'll jump in real quick, because I'm not going to talk about many of them. I did skip one episode. I apologize. Episode 10 was the future of the Force mm-hmm. and where they are protecting um, uh, Force-sensitive children mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so that that was a, a really interesting cuz i think we 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 you know we hear that the jedi were extinct but that doesn't mean the force stopped there're still people who are you know s- still kids who were you know force sensitive and had abilities and you know um and what became of those kids and what were those you know what's their story that was so it it is a very important um important episode uh, but the ones that my go-to, like I so said, these are just, I just only have, I like them all, but if I'm going to open up Disney+, Plus and it's like I want to watch a Rebels episode, if I'm in season two, it's probably either going to be Twilight of the Apprentice, um, which, by the way, we bring back Darth Maul, um, and, um, and Shroud of Darkness. Um, because, I mean, for me, I, I, the the Jedi, you know, Sith struggle, you know that's just interesting that's that's my favorite star wars story um so uh and those really get into I, it, it but it also gets into just the that conflict and the story of anakin and ahsoka you know for you know basically soulmates who are you know, and it's and Ahsoka dealing with the fact that this person who was her hero and her mentor is now the most evil person, and it's and it's that denial that she knows that Anakin is Vader. You know, from the beginning of well, back at the the first episodes, because Seeds of the Fall is actually one that I will watch over and over again as well. She knows at that point that Anakin and Vader, you know, are the she same. Is-
1: she can't come to grips with it. She can't come to admit it for herself. It's not until she gets a shot of darkness and she finally accepts it.
0: But the lightsaber duel in Twilight Apprentice is just one of the best in Star Wars. So um, I just those, those are my go-to episodes. Um, like I said, I in, when I was going through them, there's not many that I could... Well, and we'll talk about ones we could do without later. Um, but all of these, if you look if you've seen the entire series, you can see where their place was on the chessboard with the exception of a couple.
2: Mm -hmm. Dave. Um, You know, one of the ones that I really like, and it wasn't like overly important in the overall tapestry, but it's um, wings of the master, which featured the debut of the B wing. Mm -hmm. And I just, I found that so fun to watch because you kind of watch these. You over the course of watching the movies, you you see um, you see these new vehicles appear and these new types of characters appear, and you're thinking, "Well, where were they before?" You know. And uh, I always love it when they can kind of go in and 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 tell us the back story. It's like why weren't there any B-wings uh, on the first first Death Star attack? Oh, well, they were still developing it. Um, and, and so like just getting to see some of the backstory behind that was really, really cool. Um, those, I love it when they do that, right. You know, they, they connect things and they give us a deeper understanding of something that we, we hadn't had before. Um, and so that was a really effective episode in that way. Uh, and th- and then of course, you know, um, the, the vinyl too. Um, episodes twilight of the apprentice um and you know for for the reasons that you guys have stated but um we had barely talked about mall re- this is mall's reappearance right um and and just everybody I, I you know just that moment um the first time i watched it uh was just i I had not sat through Clone Wars at that point. I had known that Maul returned uh in Clone Wars, but I had not watched that arc uh so I didn't know if he died or whatever at the end of that um and it, you know it turns out they'd left that kind of open originally um, but I didn't have any expectation that he would ever show up in this series, and then he did. Um, and that was that was monumental at the time and then, um, for him to betray Canaan in the way that he did and for Ezra's um missteps to result in Canaan paying for his misdeeds and losing his eyesight uh to me, that's just heartbreaking um and and you you juxtapose that with Kanan's steadfastness throughout this epi- throughout those episodes of "We're a team. You know, this duo stays together, or whatever his words were to that effect, which is like we're a combo. We're a pair. Um, and he had been such a reluctant trainer um initially. And for him to grow to that point of feeling responsible for Ezra's training, and for him to feel such affection for him, to be devoted to him, and then for Ezra to just turn around and sort of flirt with Maul, and then for him to lose his eyesight as a result of Ezra's mistakes—I mean, that's just—I that's really heartbreaking stuff.
0: So you know, let's let's talk about something here real quick. How did how did. The rebels keep giving Ezra so much responsibility with as much as he screwed up in this Especially this season, you know because let's see he he puts them in I mean He puts them in jeopardy um in um, Oh, well in the future of the force because he tells the little kid Hey, you want to come stay with us where we're hiding the entire rebel fleet? And you know you know he gets so they get found out that way, um you know, then there's the um uh, he, but he's just he's just always he's always screwing up, and I know he's a kid, but he's always screwing up, but hey, we're just gonna keep giving you more responsibility, Ezra, you know it's like but, uh, at, but some, you know, at some point, no, give us your lightsaber back, you're sitting in the corner for the next you know four episodes, and let Zeb do things for a while. I don't know, it's just it's he.
1: But you know what it is? It's in part it's reflecting of the of where the rebellion is at that point. They're not a grand, no, they're not an army. They're coming together. That's one of those things that the season is also driving at. It's you know season one was all oh this is a rebel cell Low Fall. Season two is more no no we're finally beginning to build the alliance so to speak. So. There's more responsibility getting thrust upon Ezra and more responsibility thrust upon the crew of the ghost. And the reality is, sometimes they screw up, sometimes they fail. And you're right. I mean, you would think, wait a minute, you know, you're trusting the fate of the galaxy to a 15 year old kid, but then Sabine's only 16. And, you know, and, you know, so a lot of these characters who are going to determine the fate of the galaxy. They're not much older than they are. They're very much in a similar spot, and so it's a situation of having to make do with what you got.
0: So, are there uh, any episodes in this season that you could you could do without that are that are fast forwardable that are skippable?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the Dave Princess or- Leia oh, okay. episode. Um, you know, you you mentioned as much that it that doesn't really move the story forward at all it's it's simply there to allow a cameo of it's there. her
0: it's there to make nerds from knights of the old republic go crazy because you get the hammerhead corvettes and then we can put them in rogue one and see them take down the star destroyer that's why anyway go ahead dave <laughs> oh,
2: i had a nice laugh over that too i mean like yeah the hammerheads you know you... Um, if you've seen Rogue One and then you watch this episode, you do have a nice moment there.
0: Now, I think as as Dave just froze up, I think the the interesting thing take <laughs> take the, the picture. Uh, the the interesting about this episode is that it does let you know that, yeah, you know, Princess Leia and uh, you know other people they were you know they were kinda, they're kind of they they're they're running weapons. They were you know doing underworld dealings basically for the rebellion. Um, so it's just to kind of remind you of that. But yeah, the episode in the whole arc of the thing doesn't really we already knew that. This is just a reminder of that.
1: Yeah, like, like I, what I find what, what I find interesting is every I mean, there's a lot of these episodes that have seeds of stuff that will pay off later, but that they in and of themselves don't necessarily come off as Complete as you would want them, like the one with uh, brother to the broken horn with Hondo and Visago. You know, yes, they're gonna be important to the climax of the series, but it's one you can skip and you don't really miss much in terms of the overall story. Or even something like uh, the second aspect of relics of the Republic, of the old Republic. You know, where you have Agent Callis chasing uh, the old clones with Rex. And it basically becomes a slow-moving battle, you know. That
0: uh, I thought those two episodes could have probably been one. hmm
1: mm-hmm. I mean, that they feel stretched out, but I also, but but that's just it. It's like you, you know, the conflict ends up being that Agent Kallus speeds away, and uh and uh AT-AT pilot, you know, chases after him. It's like very, it's a very much a Scooby-Doo ending.
0: The episode episodes we haven't talked about yet that I think are kind of skippable. I think the Legends of the Lastot one it's a good episode but i i think the way that gets paid off was that they went oh we've at the very very end of the series they said oh okay let's remember that thing we did back in season two then let's just remind you of it otherwise they needed a zeb story because they gave they gave a Hera story they gave a sabine story they gave a Kanan story they get you know everybody got their stories and Zeb needed one, and I don't know. I, I, it just it just didn't seem to go anywhere. Um, and
1: but, and this is going to go to the point I was trying to thinking of earlier. I think if there's one criticism I would have of this season, is that Agent Callis, who's the primary villain of the season, doesn't quite rise up to the level of either the Grand Inquisitor in season one, or Grand Admiral Thrawn in three and four.
0: Well, and you throw, but it's like I said earlier with the 501st, if somebody shows up in Vader armor, suddenly you are, you know, boring. You know, but, um, if, if you're agent Callus, which I think Callus would have been a great villain for the entire thing, but suddenly you throw Vader into the book to bookend, you know, this season, then Callus is overshadowed. Um, you know, you've it's so, yeah, I, I, th- I think I think
2: they I couldn't disagree more though, because I love his character arc.
1: I think it's so
2: interesting to see where he starts and where he ends
1: and... I don't, uh, Dave, I don't disagree with you. I think he has a yeah. terrific arc from seasons one through four. His arc is amazing. I think as the primary uh, villain, as the primary villain of this season, he doesn't quite do as much for me probably because I know that there's a switch, but he doesn't get to the level of the Grand Inquisitor for me or Thrawn. Thrawn blows him out of the water as the villain, as the negative force opposing the crew of the Ghost.
2: I mean, you could also argue that this is the Vader heaviest season. Also true. And and so this is really sort of Vader's uh, responsibility of carrying the mantle of Big Bad this season um and you have the the inquisitor um the inquisitors <laughs> instead yeah. of the inquisitor uh you know kind of taking up that mantle as well um you know they are ramping up the danger level by giving them more adversaries rather than just a, a singular one so um but and yeah I just I love where Callis ends up and I, and I love the fact that Oh, the the episode with him and, and Zeb on stranded on the planet is some of my favorite Star Wars. I mean, mm-hmm. it just is this and this episode kind of becomes necessary within Zeb's overall arc as well. If you're at all interested in his character, um, you know, you you kind of need to know what his people's story is and how he fits into that and this gives you a lot more of that information. So mm-hmm. um, I like this episode. I don't like it as much as the, Z- the Zeb Callis um, Stranded episode,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but uh, I like them both a lot.
1: And I think in terms of episodes that you can kind of sort of go, well, it's not really necessary, but it becomes so big, the Space Whales, the Purgle episode. which Oh, yeah. I know that that's that's slow-hanging fruit in the Star Wars community to say that the episode the pergola in season 2 is skippable and it is but it's so vital for the climax and the resolution of everything but that's just it even saying that kind of says exactly what it's going to take and doesn't tell you why the episode's skippable yeah.
0: so uh, let's let's i've mentioned that this uh, season is full 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 of um, connections and cameos and i guess you know we had um if, if i'm not mistaken um lando was in uh the siege of the fall
1: mm-hmm.
0: um as kind of a hologram then they have they hit they have to get some stuff from lando to get off the fall um we had of course leia we talked about we got vader um so how do, how do we feel about um though the use of those characters um their inclusion did they need to be there um or was it just kind of candy to make us old people you know feel like i'm watching star wars
2: you also got hondo you got the clones um
0: yeah i mean yeah we got all those from clone wars but i'm I, th- I think we need. I think we need to divide. Going back to our conversation with Brittany, you know, the generational divide. Let's let's talk about those classic characters first, um, because it's it's an easier fit to put in the, the 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 clones and the prequels. You know, the Clone Wars stuff. Um, but like I said, the Vader, the 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 Leia, the Lando, in particular. Um, as cool as it was, what you know, did it? I don't know. Go ahead. Just go ahead and talk.
1: Uh, okay, I guess I'll go. I, I think uh, I, I I think they were necessary in a way. You kind of sort of need them. Uh, you're starting to, like I was saying earlier, season one is just the crew of the Ghost on the Fall. We're beginning to see, and you got a little bit of a connection with characters like Bail Organa and Lando, but now you're beginning to see them becoming. The Rebel Alliance. And I'm doing air quotes you know, with my fingers, which you can totally see on a podcast. But it's that idea of now you're making a connection of this crew is joining a larger fight against the Galactic Empire. So the idea that they would bump into some of the classic characters makes sense. Because this the alliance is not big enough yet to say, oh, you're not going to run into them.
0: If you don't bring in Ahsoka Tano into this series at all, is there any reason why you need Darth Vader to be in it? Because getting back to your, what you were talking about with Callus, you would already set up. You could have the Inquisitors be the big baddies and Callus be the big baddies, and I think and eventually make your way up to Thrawn, and you would have been awesome with with the baddies. I think the only reason that Vader is there is because you got Ahsoka.
1: But is that a bad thing?
0: I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying, I, you know, I, I just, I, I would really like to get some people and just find their decision-making. So is the story, is this story of rebels about rebels or is it about finishing Ahsoka story?
2: I like I like Vader's inclusion because it really puts Ezra and Kanan's skill level into sharp relief. Uh, when they encounter Vader, they're completely overmatched, and um, I appreciate seeing that because it kind of it, it acts not only as an indictment on their abilities and like there of course there's no way that they could be the chosen one so to speak. They can't they can't be the Luke Skywalker of the movies. And why can't they be? Because they're not as powerful as him. They're not as gifted as he is. So um they're going to struggle in those kinds of confrontations. So it works on that level, but it also works on the level of we're the underdogs. And you know, the rebellion is just trying to catch its footing. And the, you know, the empire is this overwhelming enemy, and they've got this Death Star and this Vader. And These inquisitors and everything else and it just feels hopeless for them. And so like the fight becomes more compelling on that level as well Um, So, you know, I would I would say I I appreciated his inclusion Whether whether Ahsoka was there or not
1: And I think
0: how about uh, how about Lando,
2: I'm sorry, how about Lando? I I Don't know about Lando. You know, I, I think I think
0: I think what they what they used Lando for, they could have used Hondo and would just have um, I, again, I think it's one of those things if you look back at the uh the original trilogy, you know, Billy D Williams does not have a lot to do. In it's even in in Return of the Jedi, he doesn't have a lot to do. Um so it's like it almost is like people feel bad it's like we need to give people more Lando when really nobody's really been yelling for more Lando you know what I mean it's like we really like more Donald Glover's Lando you know for a while but it's it's kind of like you know why is Lando in the rise of Skywalker well because we killed off Han Solo you know if if Lando was such an integral part of you know this story of the sequel trilogy then he would have been in there with Mark Hamill Carrie Fisher you know Harrison Ford, he would have been part of that original cast, but they just needed somebody. So I, yeah, he did. He did seem to stick out every time he's in Rebels. It's fun, I enjoy it, but it sticks out. That's my point.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, no, I guess ultimately it's a, it's a question of why. You know, you can bring Billy D. Williams in, and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't detract. That that's one thing I'll say about Lando. He never takes away. It's either a plus or a neutral. So to your story, I mean, yeah, you can put move a lot of the stuff to Hondo or to Visago or to any of the other uh, smuggler characters we've met. But if you can bring in Lando and have him be a part of this for a little bit, you know, it can be a fun thing.
2: That's kind of like the Princess Leia episode. I mean, it's a fun thing. It, it acts as connective tissue. Is it is it critical to the story? I, not as not as much as Vader. I mean, Va- having Vader there is just um, significant. And I, w- I would say the other uh, cameos, if you want to call them that, that uh, that matter just as much as these characters showing up are some of the vehicles, like we talked about. We talked about the hammerheads making an appearance, and we talked about the B-wing. And some of these original designs that um, are so important to people, Uh, that's connective tissue for people. It helps them connect this stuff to the movies. Uh, And then the music, of course. Um, There's so many cues from all the different movies um, that they use in in this series. And I, I just really appreciate that. Where Clone Wars kind of sometimes lost me was they would do riffs on some of those themes or they would do they would do these um these cues that sounded similar they sounded they sounded star warsy but they weren't the same actual cues um whereas this one borrows the actual um notes that you're used to hearing, and it and it just touches off this emotional reaction almost every time you hear it, at least for me. And it, so, like, for me, those those sorts of pieces of connective tissue are even more important than than the characters.
0: Um, yeah, and again, I, as I'm flipping through these, you know, just the thumbnails of these episodes again, I am struck as, because I asked the question, is this the story about the rebellion, or is this more about... Ahsoka Tano's story the more and more I'm thinking about this I think you know Clone Wars and Rebels is Ahsoka's story you know it's it's, she's I mean because you're you're just I'm looking at this you know at the end of season one is where Ahsoka is like you know we find out she's fulcrum we find out she's fulcrum Mm -hmm. and so you know Siege of uh, then by season uh, episode three She's saying, "Hey, you need to go find my clone friend." You know, say clone friend. But um, then, just a couple episodes later, um, in *Future of the Force*, is when you see just how powerful she is. It's her. I think the first time we see her use sabers, and she, you know, takes on the Inquisitors and just takes butt. Yeah, just wipes the floor with them. And then at you know the then you get the shroud of darkness where she's dealing with the visions of, you know, Anakin, but then the twilight of the apprentice. So this is this, this whole season is, you know, one big Ahsoka arc. And I don't mean that as a criticism, but it is, it does go into what people felt with rebels is they felt they were sold a bill of goods that this was. And that's why we, let's go back to what we're talking about with bad batch. It's like, we're getting this episode. We're getting this series called rebels. Oh, we're going to learn about the, the, you know, the start of the rebellion and no, it's continuations. It's, it's, that's the vehicle to tell these other stories, you know, that are, that were kind of left hanging. That's why I think bad batch is like, Oh, we're getting, we're going to get, or, you know, we're going to get all these episodes of the bad batch. Well, no, I think like we talked about earlier, you're going to get a vehicle, that's going to be able to tell the stories that are left out there. Um, so I don't think Rebels has one overall story as much as as much as again as it is the setting for these other these other interesting things that we needed that we needed to know about. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I I just think that it's a it's it's kind of like a series of almost a series of one act plays you know
2: i think to your point that Ahsoka, um you you're right that she really figures prominently in this particular season so if you wanted to make the argument that like season 2 is her and anakin's story Uh, You you definitely could make that argument, but you know, at the end of this episode, they're trapped in a temple together and and then you don't really see them after that. I mean, you do briefly, um, but hardly at all from this point forward. This is kind of you say goodbye to them for a long time after this. Um, And so we kind of return back to our primary crew. We get introduced Thrawn, there are a lot of other characters who figure a lot a lot more prominently going forward. And so like I would I would circle back to season one and look at the introduction of all of these characters, the crew of the ghost, um, and how well that's done. And yeah, maybe some of them take a back seat in this particular season at times, but I also feel like when you when, earlier we were talking about, they each have their own particular episodes, right? Sabine has an episode. Zab has an episode. They do that intentionally because I think they do know that this other stuff has the potential to kind of overshadow those people. Um, But they they do do the, to their credit, they do that. They bring those people to the forefront, and then we get back to them in season three, I'd say. So, um, you know, this, this is very much a see, uh, a series about the crew of the ghost. And, um, and that's what I would call that. But I, you know, season two, if you want to make the argument, it's Ahsoka heavy. I I'll totally, I'll totally hear that.
0: And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Just,
2: right. So.
1: Yeah. I was going to, I was also said to disagree with you, uh, Aaron until Dave kind of spoke in and kind of because I do agree with Dave a bit. It's this is story. If you're going for one story thread in this series in this series, it's a crew of the ghost story. If you want to go even deeper, it's Esra's story. What I think what I find most interesting in this series, in this particular season, season two, this is the season where we begin to see the impact of the past on our characters. Characters like Vader, like Ahsoka, their relationship yeah. 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 Exactly. You know, right. the Rex. The way that they impacted the galaxy in the past, and continue to imp- their actions continue to impact Ezra's situation, Kanan's situation, Hera's situation, Sabine's, Seb's, So they're not just static characters existing on their corner of the of a galaxy far, far away. They're having to deal with the outcome of the choices that Anakin made, that Ahsoka made that, you know, the people who are in the Empire make and characters like Bale and Leia and even Lando made. So it's interesting putting them up against characters who've already made some sort of decision in their lives and go, because Leia's already a part of the Rebel Alliance. We we know that she is because she's helping them, but she's not officially out, so they have to work within that framework or they know that Ahsoka has some sort of backstory to to this guy who's hunting them down, but they don't know who the guy hunting them down is, which is surprising, but they know that it's all coming to a head with them. That's the reason they go back to the temple in Low Fall, because they're very much in that. okay, we're getting hunted. We got to figure out a way to fight back, or, you know, and it's impacting them, them, their, you know, their own individual lives, but also the Alliance as a whole. So I would say that, whereas, you know, yeah, this season is not super heavy, like Dave said, I think it's Ahsoka Heavy for a purpose. I think because they brought in Vader, they they allowed them to go Ahsoka Heavy by bringing in Vader and juxtaposing everything that they did in the Clone Wars and in the prequels that we saw and how that's still having an impact so many years later.
2: And, you know, Aaron, one thing I'll say too, just to kind of dovetail off what we were talking about with the Bad Batch as well, um, how they can kind of become a prism that through which we can see other aspects of the galaxy. Um, The, this, the crew of the ghost is designed the same way. I mean, absolutely. You've got two force sensitive people on here. Um, You've got a Mandalorian. uh, So we can go and back and revisit all of that. Um, They introduced Rex eventually. So we can go back and look at some more Clone Wars era stuff through them and like Fredo said, you know, you bring in Ahsoka to kind of touch on some of those Anakin issues from earlier as well. And um you know, not not to spoil things, but we eventually go to Tatooine as well, and, and we and we see a couple of interesting uh characters there. So Which um, is
1: interesting that we get to see Mole here because of all the impact he's gonna have in season three and four. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you never even, they don't even really hint at that here. Mm-hmm. Um, You're like, oh my goodness, he's back. And then is he dead? Oh, wait, no, he's, he's not dead. He's flying away in a ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what he's going to do next. What's going on? What's going on with him? Are we even going to see him again? Well, yeah, yeah, we're going to see him again and it's going to be great.
0: Uh, and this this, the you know, last thing I'll say this uh, season ended on one of the best cliffhangers You know it was yeah. it was just and everybody was like in, in the basement, you know, it was just it does not end Happy, you know at all um, You know at the end of first at the end of the first season, you know We Kanan comes into a zone and you know and we rescue him and everything's hunky-dory and this one ends just the opposite
1: Now I was just going to say and what's interesting what I found so rewarding is when we get to season three the start of that the impact that this season has on the characters going forward is massive
0: so yeah so that's uh rebels season two I I I really enjoy I really enjoy the season I think it's it's a good one so yeah get it on Disney plus stream it um but uh other than that, any, any last thoughts before we start wrapping things up? Is your favorite season? Oh, I don't know. I think we'll have to talk about that after we go through all the seasons. That's a good I think what I'll have to do is figure out if I open up my app, which, again, which season's going to get the most uh, I'm going to watch this episode type of things, you know, um, and I can't answer that right now. So.
1: I will say this: This season has a lot of some of the a lot of the, no not a lot but some of the best moments of the entire series, and that's high praise because some of the stuff that comes down the line is even more impactful. But just you know, it, it's it's a wonderful time spending with these characters and seeing them get put through the ringer. So you get highs, you get lows. But again, I really- said
0: I said it earlier, and I'll say it again: It's the most Star Wars ish, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. season uh so you know every every season has its nuggets that you know make you you know giddy so um this one just felt a lot more like star wars and i don't mean that four five and six i mean that one two three four five six and you know yeah I, and the clone wars it just it felt like it belonged so um yeah all right well i guess with that we will wrap things up for tonight and uh thanks for listening And um uh you can as always you can find us on podbean on uh google podcasts on apple podcasts we're on twitter and facebook who at jedi podcast um, uh, follow us like us you know do all those things and uh spread the word um, and if there's uh anything that you're you disagree with or you want to hear more about you know tweet at us and uh we're we're rather uh precocious on uh, Twitter, so um, we'll, we'll respond. Um, but other than that, uh, everybody keep healthy, have a good week, and uh, we will see you next week with another episode. So until then, we'll say, who dat?
1: Who dat? Who dat?
0: Oh, Fredo, Who dat?
1: Who dat?
0: <laughs> and there was much rejoicing.
1: Who dat? <laughs>